Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I am Carlos Calazo, joined today by Kyle Glazer. We are here to talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers top 10, and maybe we'll get into the top 30. But Kyle, it's always fun to talk with you about these systems. Uh, the Dodgers in particular, it's going to be a fun one to talk about. They've, they've had a very strong system for a while now. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this year's edition and kind of what the process was like putting it together. Uh, some tidbits and notes that you learned through this that maybe some Dodgers fans will be excited to hear. But before we jump into players specifically, can you just give me an overview of where the Dodgers are right now? Obviously, back-to-back years in the World Series have yet to kind of get over the top right there and bring the whole thing back. Um, but it seems like they're maybe one of the best teams situated moving forward when you look at Major League product, farm system, uh, and financial resources. I mean, it seems like they're in a pretty good spot every year. I would argue that they are the major league team in the single best spot. When you look at all those reasons you stated, mm -hmm. the major league club, obviously they, they slid down a little bit last year going from 102 wins to uh, <laughs> having to uh, have a one-game tiebreaker to win the NL West. Yeah. But this is still... It's nice like, when you can say uh, you had a bad year and you still get to the World Series, right? That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, it, it was a rough year and they still got to the World Series. Yeah. Obviously losing two straight hurts. There's no way around that. But the Dodgers have a lot of reason for optimism. This is a group that is nowhere near its total peak when you look at the mm -hmm. fact, you know, you bring up Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, and Walker Bueller, the three of those in consecutive years. Yep. You know, Max Muncy is still in his 20s. Chris Taylor is still in his 20s. Kike Hernandez is still in his 20s. Um, a lot of the main components mm -hmm. are still there. They have a couple of peak years ahead. Obviously, they traded Yasiel Puig and Alex Wood and Matt Kemp this offseason. That was a very large deal. But you look at this major league product, and there's a lot of guys who are, who are still young, who are going to be there for a while. Again, Justin Turner's getting up there, Clayton Kershaw's getting up there. But what we've seen from the Dodgers and why the Dodgers and their fans have legitimate reasons to be optimistic, they've been able to backfill again and mm -hmm. again and again because their player development is so strong. And even beyond that, their amateur scouting has really been pretty spectacular both in terms of finding them guys who can help them in the near future. We mm -hmm. mentioned Bueller, Seeger, Bellinger, but even moving forward, you know, Gavin Lux and Dustin May yep. are two really good finds. And it's not like they've been picking at the top of the draft. I mean, they finished first in the division the last six years. They're doing so picking at the back end of the first round in all of these drafts. And on top of that, they've done a really good job of finding talent, not just in that first and second and third rounds, but in the later rounds. You go back and look at their 2016 draft, and there's many years left before we can really assess drafts and their successes mm -hmm. as a whole. That 2016 draft is one of the best, I think, in baseball the last three or four years because they've had a lot of guys become top prospects out of it. Mm -hmm. And then toward the back of that draft, a lot of guys they've been able to use in trades that other teams have liked. Dean Kramer, Ryland Bannon, uh, Zach Pop. These are all guys who they could not yeah. have gotten, you know, gone, uh, gotten a Manny Machado. Luke Rayleigh was part of the Brian Dozier deal. A.J. Alexi was part of the, uh, the U Darvish deal. Mm -hmm. they've, 
they've really done a good job of finding that balance of, okay, we're getting guys that can help us at the top yeah. and then still finding guys other teams desire in those mid to late rounds that they can use in trades to further fortify their big league yeah, club. Yeah, and that 2016 draft specifically, just to, to bring it up since you're mentioning it, their first pick comes at number 20, but they do have four of the top 65 picks with two first-round picks. They use for Gavin Lux at 20 and then Will Smith at 32. Supplemental first round, you go with Jordan Sheffield, right-handed pitcher out of Vanderbilt at 36, and then round out that top four picks with Mitchell White at number 65. So it's nice when you get all those picks to hit on some guys, and as you mentioned, the Dodgers hit on those guys, and then some. Even you know going to the third round, Dustin May and DJ Peters, yeah. and you look at their top 10, it's uh, five guys from that draft. And we mentioned Devin Smelter used in a trade, Luke Rayleigh used in mm -hmm. a trade, um, AJ Alexi used in a trade. There's different ways to do this, and the Dodgers have kind of almost been masterful in, in finding every way to do it mm -hmm. um, and having that prospect depth. You know, not many organizations, you know, last couple of years, because they've been contending, the Dodgers have traded away Yusniel Diaz, they've traded Willie Calhoun, they've traded O'Neill Cruz, mm -hmm. guys who are either top 100 guys or have been part of the top 100, as well as some other very useful mm -hmm. depth pieces. Not a lot of organizations can trade the volume the Dodgers exactly. have and still have a borderline top 10 system, and the Dodgers do. No so. doubt, yeah. I was going to ask you about that later, but let's just jump on it now. The last five years, last four years prior, if you're not including this 2019 top 10, top 30, um, the Dodgers have had a top 10 system. Now, they're not as high as they have been in previous years, but you're saying that you still think they're a top 10. I think we have them officially listed right in that range. Uh, do you think there's an argument for them being outside of that? Do you think they're trending in the wrong direction, or do you think there are some reinforcements coming up in the low minors that can kind of continue to, to see them in the top 10 where they have been for really half a decade now? I think it's not wise to bet against the Dodgers player development apparatus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at this point, they, they, you're right. A lot of the talent in this system is at the upper levels because they've traded a lot of that lower mm -hmm. level talent in these trades. Um, but the Dodgers have been, I think, really fantastic. You know, we talk so much about one of the keys is not just you know building this prospect depth, mm -hmm. but then at the pro scouting level, knowing your own system, knowing who you are willing to trade and who you're not, and really making proper valuations. We see so many teams shoot themselves in the foot because they misevaluate their own guys. Yeah. You know, the Dodgers have been very wise in saying, no, we're not trading Cody Bellinger for Brian Dozier when Brian Dozier's coming off that 40 home run mm -hmm. season. Well, hey, they got Brian Dozier a year later for a whole lot less. <laughs> Uh, the 2015 playoff run when David Price was on the market. So, oh, you know, we could maybe move, you know, Corey Seager or Julio Arias or Jock Peterson. And the Dodgers said no. And again, that was the right move because Price was going to be a free agent in a couple months. Mm -hmm. So I think the Dodgers have made the right calls on who to keep and who to trade. And I think because of that, we'll see them continue to be the top half of baseball for, for a few years given what they have, their track record. Mm -hmm. I don't anticipate the Dodgers bottoming out really at either the major league level or you know farm system wise anytime in the near future. They are uniquely positioned within the game of baseball mm -hmm. today, and I think they have every resource to take advantage of that. Yep. So Dodgers uh, front office player development scouting plus grades for you guys. But let's jump into some of these players. Uh, number one, we have catcher Kiebert Ruiz, and the Dodgers have a number of catchers uh, at the top of their system, which is something a lot of teams can't say. Uh, so that's exciting, but let's just dive into to Kiebert. Was he the obvious number one here? Was there any argument for any of the other players behind him, like an Alex Verdugo, Gavin Lux, even down to a Dustin May? Where do you where do you see the uh, the top tier in this system kind of breaking down? 
Sure. So Alex Verdugo was the guy, you know, who was kind of the natural, you'd think, number one, given mm -hmm. he was number two last year as well. Kabert was right behind him at number yeah. three. Walker Bueller graduates. Oh, Verdugo will slide up to one. Kabert Ruiz, and it's not that Alex Verdugo did anything bad, right? He went down to the Pacific Coast League, finished mm -hmm. fifth in the batting title race, hit, you know, close to 330 again. Uh, but Kabert Ruiz showed some really, really rare things to be 19 years old, go to double-A, improve as a you know catch and throw guy as a receiver and most importantly do that while holding his own offensively mm -hmm. uh, not that there was ever a question about the bat you know the overall numbers don't look sexy but mm -hmm. a lot of that is a big switch hitting split uh his right-handed swing isn't where it needs to be yet mm -hmm. left-handed hit 276 11 home runs um i think anytime you have a 19 year old catcher in double a showing the ability to hit for power hit for average hold up in the heat of the Texas League, show command of a pitching staff, improved catch and throw skills. Mm -hmm. He just really was kind of a special prospect. And he's tough to kind of draw a parallel to because you think, okay, other switch hitting catchers who can hit, you know, you go back to Victor Martinez or even Yasmani Grandal, and those guys were 21, 22 in double A. Mm -hmm. He was 19. Yeah, a 19-year-old catcher switch hitting and trying to figure out how to catch in pro ball, learn a pitching staff. That's a lot to ask. A high-octane staff, too. He wasn't catching exactly. soft tossers. He had a difficult staff to try and handle. And he hit 276, 334, 420 with, like you mentioned, 11 home runs from uh, the left side and versus left-handers as a right-handed hitter. He hit 238, 304, 333 over the course of the season with double-A Tulsa. Uh, so they're not eye-popping, but when you put it together with the entire package, can you tell me a little bit about his defensive potential? Because obviously that factors in here when you're the number one catching prospect in a, or the number one prospect as a catcher in a system. Yeah, and especially I think Dodgers fans are acutely aware of what it's like if the catcher isn't where he needs to be, yes. uh, particularly in big games after this <laughs> most recent postseason. Constantly improving. Again, he's 19. Mm -hmm. He's still a kid learning the finer points of the game, growing into his body, but he's so much further advanced. You know, I talked to another scout who was an ex-big league catcher and he was saying, you know, when you look at him, yeah, you can pick apart X and Y, but then I think about what I looked like at 19 years old <laughs> and he's way beyond where I could have ever dreamed of being. The two biggest things with him, uh, one was just improving focus, like you saw the ability to receive, mm -hmm. but there were times, particularly last year when he got up to Ranch Cucamonga, there were times where you know, he, he'd miss a pitch he shouldn't, and just some of that was focus. It wasn't anything technical, so that just comes with maturity. That comes with stamina and endurance and learning how to kind of pace yourself mm -hmm. in, in the heat of a long season. And the second part that was a little iffy last year was, uh, so his arm, look, it's, it's an average arm. It's not like a cannon. He's not going to be, you know, gunning guys out Yachty Molina style, mm -hmm. but... There were issues with like the transfer and the footwork last yeah. year, which slowed it down. He, he, there were a lot of pop times on the wrong side of two seconds. Mm -hmm. But you could see it's in there, just fine-tuning it. And he did make improvements this year, uh, got that caught stealing rate up. The footwork and transfer issues, you know, they still showed up from time to time, but on the whole, it was cleaner. Um, mm -hmm. You pretty consistently got, you know, hey, above average receiver, average arm. Like, you know, Cabert Ruiz does not project to win a gold glove. Yeah. But he's still going to be probably one of the best catchers in baseball. And, and that's the Dodger legacy, right? You know, Mike Sosha, Paul LaDuca, Russell Martin, they, they've consistently turned out these all-star caliber homegrown catchers. Mm -hmm. That's what the Dodgers do. And they've got Cabert at the top and a couple guys right behind them. Yeah, before we jump into some more of these players, Cabert, it was almost five years younger than the average hitter at AA as a 19-year-old catcher. Now, obviously with young catchers, you expect them to have a long developmental path, maybe a few years before you even get a chance at the majors. But... 
with what he did in double A at 19, do you think he's a guy who maybe his track could be expedited a little bit? What's his future ETA at this moment? Sure. So you want to make sure that everything is is really fine-tuned defensively. And some of that's, you know, game planning. Uh, he showed a lot more confidence this year. Just the little things, right? Mm -hmm. Going out, you know, it's not easy for a 19-year-old kid to go out and tell a 23, 24-year-old college grad who's been pro ball for three years, who's a prospect of his own, stop doing this, you need yeah. to do this. Like, he really grew into himself this year. Look, we saw the Dodgers acquire Russell Martin. Him and Austin Barnes are going to split the catching duties this year. And the truth is, Will Smith is a, is ahead of, of Cabert Ruiz, just kind of on the track right now. Mm -hmm. I do expect Cabert Ruiz to spend pretty much all of this coming season in the minor leagues. And if he does that and goes up to the majors in 2020, it's going to be 21-year-old catcher, <laughs> you know, and Matt Eddy. So uh, very rare. You know, our, our intrepid uh, kind of numbers and historian uh, guy was able to look back. The number of 21-year-old everyday catchers in the big leagues this, this you know, century, the 2000s, it's like Yadi Molina, and that's it. <laughs> so even if company. he waits, and even if there's a, a year where something goes awry, mm -hmm. he'll still be way ahead of schedule. But I, I do think 2020 is probably more reasonable. And you know maybe he gets a call up this year at the end. We'll see what happens. But um, he's their long-term catcher of the future. And I think when all's said and done, he's he's going to be another all-star catcher the Dodgers can claim, you know, on the homegrown side. Yeah, very exciting. Let's go ahead and jump right into number two, Alex Verdugo. He's a guy who is much closer to the big leagues, probably would have had some regular playing time if it weren't for the number of outfielders on this Los Angeles team last year. Uh, now the team has already done a little bit to kind of reduce that outfield glut. Uh, does Verdugo have a spot uh, as a regular this next this upcoming season with the Dodgers? Is that... Still a little bit of ways. What's just I guess just break down Verdugo for me is what I'm asking. Sure. Tell me, tell me all about this guy, Cal. Uh, the skills are there now. The Dodgers still have a bit of a logjam even after trading uh, Yasiel yeah. Puig and Matt Kemp. When you look at how they've chosen to kind of do some things in terms of putting Muncie at first and Bellinger in mm -hmm. center, you know you can kind of see you know they've got Peterson, they've got Bellinger, they've got Andrew Tolles. He's still around. Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez move around the outfit a little bit. There's still a a solid rotation of, of five potential outfielders there before Verdugo even comes into yeah. the equation. And he's left-handed like most of these guys are in terms of Bellinger, Peterson, Tolles. So there's not really a true platoon option there for him. But the overall sense is when he's right, he's probably the best pure hitter of all these guys. Uh, you know, Bellinger, again, is, is power. He's a stud. Uh, Peterson, we've seen swing and miss issues. Mm -hmm. he's, he's more power over hit as well. You know, the Dodgers uh, at times last year really struggled with making contact, and it really came back to bite them. Verdugo's the type of bat that can help fill that weakness. Again, it's more, think, Nick Marcakis, Melky Cabrera, you know, mm -hmm. 13 homers, 15 homers, high average, a lot of hits. But at the end of the day with Alex Verdugo, it's just going to come down to effort. Um, that's been the story on him since he was drafted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in 2017, he got called up and uh, Rich Hill, you know, chewed him out in the clubhouse <laughs> and full few reporters for showing up late. You know, and after that, all offseason, all the Dodgers front office and, and Dave Roberts at the winter meetings talked about, oh, you know, he's matured. He mm -hmm. came up. It got so much better. Not really when you talk to people about what was happening in Oklahoma City this year. Um, you know, people inside the Dodgers organization that had a close-up view even said, his effort could be described as average at best. <laughs> and other people were just like, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, and it's not like things that just like, oh, you know, he'll grow out of it. Like mm -hmm. they were things that hurt his team. Yeah. And we even saw a little bit sometimes, you know, in the majors when he got called up again, 
his focus wasn't where it needed to be in the outfield uh, quite a few times, and mm -hmm. balls dropped that should not have dropped. Um, talking about base running mistakes, um, you're talking about errors in the field, and you know the Dodgers are trying to win a World Series here. You can't make as many mistakes, especially mm -hmm. you know mistakes that have been hammered into you over and over and over again for five years now, that Alex Verdugo keeps making. And so I think, honestly, whether Alex Verdugo is starting in the Dodgers outfield this year is going to have a lot more to do with where his head is at yeah. than his skills, than his, you know, where the Dodgers, you know, positionally are. Because if, if his head's right, he's a really good defender who can fill in all three outfield spots. He, he shows you enough speed to do some damage. Mm -hmm. We talk about his ability to get the barrel to the balls, one of the best in the minors. The skills are there for him to be the Dodgers starting right fielder in 2019. But Major League Baseball is hard enough, even when you're fully, you know, in the game. Mm -hmm. When you're not, it can be problematic. And I think that anyone who says they have any conviction on Alex Verdugo right now is more optimistic than 95% of talent evaluators out there. They like him, mm -hmm. but they don't trust him. Gotcha. Well, we'll see. We'll see if he can uh, get that together and see if the, uh, the power he showed in the PCL is real in the slightest if he gets some regular time at the big league level. Uh, he's never had a slugging percentage over 400 in the big leagues, but there's a short sample, and we're not expecting much power with him anyways. But let's jump into Gavin Lux. Number three, part of that 2016 draft class, the first guy the Dodgers drafted in that class. It sounds like he beefed up a little bit this year. Maybe had a breakout 2018. What's the deal with Gavin? Gavin Lux was probably the, the number one guy for me this year. I mean, you know, we're out all season seeing guys going all over the mm -hmm. country. You see I'm here one week and then gone the next a lot. Saw a lot Racking of players. Racking up those frequent flyer points. Oh, yeah, hotel <laughs> points, frequent flyer points. I love it. Um, but Gavin Lux was probably the single most prospect I saw this entire year who was different than what I expected mm -hmm. in the sense that the Midwest League, the no, his first full season, the numbers weren't great, the reviews weren't great. Uh, I did not see him in person that year. So you kind of have this idea of who he is based on the reports. You watch yeah. some video, you know, you see what he's like. And Real quick, Gavin Lux in uh, 2017 in the Midwest League hit 244, 331, 362. That's a 693 OPS. It just, you know, again, so it's like, okay, no, I'll go see him. Mm -hmm. And the guy I saw in Ranch Cucamonga, again, the difference between maybe what I had in my head and what was actually there was probably the widest gap yeah. of any player I saw this year in the positive direction. Yeah, and the difference in the numbers kind of bear that out for you, back that up. Bigger, stronger. I mean, the bat was quicker. It was more impactful. He mm -hmm. made some adjustments to his swing path. So you took a guy who previously was, you know, had some instincts, really good, you know, baseball IQ, but just physically wasn't there yet, and the swing path wasn't where it needed to be. And mm -hmm. even a lot of people didn't love his defense last year. Mm -hmm. they, they saw a guy who... His upper and lower body didn't sync up. There were a lot of throwing errors that were more a function of, of what they felt like were flexibility shortcomings mm -hmm. than actually, you know, correctable things. Well, the guy that showed up this year, he's bigger, he's stronger, but he's also quicker. He's more lithe. I mean, he really put on uh, all the right, you know, weight you want to see out mm -hmm. of a young prospect without getting too big, too heavy, impacting the ball a lot more, making a lot more contact. And he was actually faster, too. And... All, then you saw the defense, he was covering all the ground he needed to cover, particularly to his left. There's still some throwing errors, and some of that's just footwork, but mm -hmm. there's no more questions about his flexibility, yeah. his physical ability to do it. I mean, Gavin Lux, to me, was a guy at the start of the year, I mean, was not even on my radar as a potential top 100 guy mm -hmm. based on the reports we got. 
now, you know, you saw by the end of the season, he was on there. And yeah, it sounds he, like he pretty much had the ideal season when you're looking, what you're looking to do, it sounds like he did literally everything. From year one to year two, the, the archetype of what jump you want mm -hmm. to see a high school kid make, Gavin Lux did it. Uh, you know, he's going to be a top 100 guy again. He might even be a top 50 guy. And all of a sudden, he went from, well, we'll see, maybe organizational depth to he's the Dodgers' second mm -hmm. baseman of the future. He and Corey Seager will be the middle of that diamond for years to come. So how has his power grades changed after seeing what he did this year? He hit a career high 15 home runs uh, with two leagues. That's with Rancho Cucamonga and Tulsa. He had a 28-game stint in Tulsa where he continued to hit just as well as he did in high A. Uh, previously, his career high was seven, and then in his debut year, 2016, just uh, 56 games, no home runs. So he's improved every year. Has the power grade continued to go up with that? Yeah, he's, again, he's bigger, he's stronger, uh, he got some swing path uh, things fixed, and now he's hitting the ball hard. It's still mostly, you know, hard line drives, mm -hmm. and then they'll carry over. It's not like he's, you know, hitting these moonshots. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, again, I think back, and I'm, I'm not comping Gavin Lux to Corey Seager. Corey mm -hmm. Seager was a different animal. I saw him in Rancho Cucamonga a few years back, and you know, I watched Corey Seager, and I thought, this guy's going to win a batting title. Yeah. But I didn't think he'd be 25 to 30 home runs every year, especially playing his games in Dodger mm -hmm. Stadium with the road games at Petco and AT&T. And he's been able to do that. So, again, we've seen how the Major League ball flies. We're seeing power spike across the majors. In my head, Gavin Lux, when all said and done, is probably still going to be more about high average, 35-plus doubles, and that home run number might be more 15, 16, 17. Mm -hmm. But Lord knows there's been guys who had way less power than him, and, and they're hitting 20 bombs in the big leagues right now. So I wouldn't put it past him, especially as he continues to grow into his body. He's still just 20 years old. Mm -hmm. No doubt. And at number four, we've got another guy who it sounds like uh, some physical advancements have helped him out. Uh, Dustin May, number four. There's a lot of pitchers the Dodgers uh, have at the upper levels of the minors. Obviously, we talked about some guys who are already making an impact with the big league club, but uh, what makes Dustin May the top pitching prospect on the Dodgers list? So what we talked about with Gavin Lux, getting bigger, stronger, everything's better. Dustin May on the pitching side. Hey, it's almost like getting bigger is a positive, Kyle. So don't worry if we both of us add on a few pounds as we continue to age. It's a good thing. I think it's a little different for the 18-year-olds <laughs> still growing into their body. Than, Come on, uh, don't tell me that. But um, again, you know, even last year when Dustin May got to Ranch Cucamonga, it was a lot of 90 to 92 touched 93 mm -hmm. and, and you could bet on it you saw the way his body was this tall skinny right-hander like it was not a hard stretch to to say he's going to add some strength and add some velocity but i think it surprised everyone just how quickly it came uh this year it was 93 96 with hard sink the dodgers told me they got him up to 99 at one point other evaluators mm -hmm. didn't see that but three to six holding it getting some sevens and some 98s as well all of a sudden you have this, you know, power sink with power velocity coming from a six foot six, you know, arm slot. Mm -hmm. um, he's still working on some secondary things. He kind of scrapped both of his old secondaries, a slider and changeup, and has gone now more to a power curve and a cutter. Mm -hmm. So those are still coming along. But again, you know, 20 years old, he turned 21 uh, there at the end of the season. We saw the jump he made. There's very little question in evaluators' minds right now that that he's you know a starting pitcher at the major league level within mm -hmm. the next two years. He has to stay healthy, of course, and things need to be fine-tuned. But yeah, pretty encouraging that he's got 123 and 132 innings respectively each of the last two years. Very Jumped up durable. To double A, uh, more than four years younger than the average pitcher. 
uh, in the Texas League. Uh, his strikeout and walk numbers have been pretty consistent. Uh, so really a lot of good signs there, just looking kind of at the numbers. And then obviously what you're saying here with the, the velo gains and the strength increases is exciting as well. And it goes back to, you know, we talked about the Dodgers have had a really strong player development apparatus the mm -hmm. last couple years. And that's through multiple farm directors. That That's through multiple general managers. They've really constantly improved been open to new things and we've seen them successfully getting guys through the minors it's not just like they're drafting guys and they're coming up underdeveloped or something isn't clicking that's supposed mm -hmm. to you know every organization has their guys where something doesn't work out but by and large uh the the train the dodgers have moving here from seager to bellinger to to bueller and now the jumps a lot of these mm -hmm. guys are making within a year uh, two years even it's a really encouraging trend. Yeah. Well, spin is in now, and what do you have? How confident are you in Dustin May's secondaries? I feel like if you're going to pick nits with this guy, you're going to go to his breaking ball. Maybe not as consistent or sh as sharp as you'd like. Uh, what did you get when you were talking with evaluators this year, as far as the confidence in that pitch moving forward? Because, as we know, you can't just succeed with a fastball in the majors. It's gonna. I think there's a sense it's gonna come uh, again. He still has his slider, but mm -hmm. again, it morphed more into a power curve, and he yeah. did snap off some. Where you can say, you know, yeah, I can see the plus in there. There were others where you know, still figuring out to, how to land it a little bit, be consistent with it. Which again, when you consider he's really only been throwing the pitch for a year, mm -hmm. and it was still able to have success with it against Double A hitters. Um, I think he's in a good spot. Again, there's more development to come. I'm not gonna he's still sit, very young. Right. I'm not gonna sit here and say, you know. It's, it's a zero concern because, you know, it's already so nasty as mm -hmm. is. There's still development ahead and nothing's ever guaranteed, but there's a, there's a pretty solid level of confidence that, you know, when all said and done, Dustin May will be where he needs to be with his fastball curveball. Mm -hmm. The cutter and, and to a lesser degree now the change, what he needs to do with lefties, I think that's where there's still a little more hesitation, what that's going to look like in the end. But... On the whole, you're going to bet on the young kid who's durable, successful, and has a good arm. Yep. Let's jump into number five, rounding out the uh, top five of the Dodgers system in extreme detail. I love it. we got Will Smith, catcher and a third baseman, an athletic backstop. Uh, dealt with a minor injury this year, but still had a career-high 20 home runs between AA and AAA, handling some very impressive arms. Uh, obviously, we talked about the catcher depth in this system. Will Smith is a guy that we're going to talk about with that. Uh, how exciting is Will Smith, and is he about to make his? They, is he going to have an impact with the major league club sooner or later? I mean, AAA, he's knocking on the door. Yeah, and the Dodgers even actually brought him up to the big leagues at the end of last year, not officially on the mm -hmm. roster, but just kind of hang out, watch how the big league catchers prepare, and kind of sit in on the meetings, mm -hmm. just see how the flow of the game goes because they are prepping. Quite him. literally knocking on the door. Yeah, <laughs> um, they, they they are prepping him to be in the big leagues this year now. This is kind of where like the, the top 100 candidates pool is, these top five. After this, it drops off a little bit. Okay. I would say this is kind of that You're top including two. Will Smith in this? I am. He okay. was in our 100 at the end of last year. So Will Smith is a better, pure defensive catcher than Caber Ruiz. Yep. Like, and it's not a debate. He, I mean, you, we talk about Caber Ruiz will never win a gold glove defensively. Mm -hmm. Will Smith has the chance to if he stays behind the plate. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is... The Dodgers, because Cabert Ruiz can only really catch and his bat is so valuable, yeah. Will Smith, he's a former middle infielder. He has played really well both second base and third base. Because he can bounce around to other mm -hmm. positions, the Dodgers are going to do that with him. Yeah. This Ruiz, year he 
Go in, ahead. Uh, in 2018 this year, he's had 402 innings uh, behind the dish and then 350 at their base. So he's definitely splitting his time already. And, and a lot of that was because he was on the same team exactly. as Cabert Reese in Tulsa. So exactly. because he can do that, he's not going to see as much time behind the plate because the Dodgers want to get best of both of these guys. Mm-hmm. In that sense, you know, what we saw, and I mentioned this in the chat with the Yasmani Grandal, Austin Barnes, you know, how they kind of worked yeah. that where. Yes, Barnes is the better receiver, but Grindahl, what he does with the bat, is the starter. I think we'll see a similar arrangement down the line. Now, Will Smith can play. I, I, he can play third. You know, got solid average grades there. Second base, he's he's fine as well. Um, catcher, we mentioned, he's excellent. So, I think the main thing with Will Smith is mm-hmm. the Dodgers drafted him as a contact hitter. Really reworked his swing to go full launch, full power type of deal. And he showed some pretty ridiculous power this year that no one really thought was in there necessarily. Um, yeah, 20 home runs, and you might say, oh, PCL, PCL. Well, he played 25 games in the PCL, and he hit just one home run. 19 of his 20 came uh, when he was in the Texas League in AA. So you might be more encouraged with those coming at AA when that, that wouldn't be the case. 20 homers in 98 games. He exactly. A month <laughs> with a thumb bruise. I mean, there was a point where if you extrapolate what he did over a full minor league season, mm-hmm. it's, it's a 30 home run season. For yeah, a that's catcher. a 532 slugging percentage in his... 73 games in double A, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so I think because the swing, though, has become so lofted, there are concerns about how much contact he's going to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was down to 230s this year in the minors, and generally speaking, guys who hit 230 in the minors, that number doesn't get better in the mm-hmm. majors. So, you know, I, I, I'm not entirely certain how much contact Will Smith is going to make against big league uh, pitching and, and evaluators have shared that they think he you know between his defense and now the versatility and the yeah. power he'll be a big leaguer but just because the way they've redone his swing 28 percent career strikeout rate in the minors is not super great so, so i think and it's okay with the power he provides yeah. but but i think at the end of the day that would be the concern and, and where you might say you know i think we like will smith a little bit better as a guy who bounces around rather than a guy mm-hmm. you stick in a spot Give a you know. It's almost like the Dodgers are pretty good at uh, getting value out of guys who are doing that, though. So pretty good situation to be in if you're going to be bouncing around. It is, but I think it's important to note, and people like to credit this, like you know, Chris Taylor, Justin Turner, those two in particular. Those guys were 300 hitters in the minors. Those guys had demonstrated a contact ability, Mm -hmm. and they just needed to make a tweak to do more against big league pitching. Will Smith doesn't have the contact ability that those guys had. He's Um, a career toothed. 236 hitter in the minors. And that's where, you know, we say the top 100 discussion, you see catcher defense, you see versatility, you see power, but he's not, a, even though he finished the year on the 100 for us, he's not a guaranteed 100 mm-hmm. guy. I, I think, you know, but he'll be in the conversation. Yep. He's a very fine player, and I think he will help and impact the Dodgers starting this year and, and into the following years. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then the Top 10, 6 through 10 is rounded out with four pitchers and an outfielder. We've got Caleb Ferguson, Dennis Santana, Tony Gonzalez, Mitchell White, and DJ Peters. Uh, are there any of these guys who jump out to you that you want to touch on really quick as we sort of wrap this podcast up? I know we spent maybe more time on the top five and gone into more detail, uh, but I've had fun with it and learned some stuff, so hopefully uh, the listeners appreciate that as well. Tony Gonzalez, this is someone that the handbook last year, I was ready to rank him. He had been touching 99 in the playoffs, Ranch Cucamonga. I was going to rank him. and a couple 2016 of, draft. Yeah, again, in the later round, eighth, uh, ninth, ninth round, round, ninth yep. round senior sign. And we can get into that Signed why in a Tom second. Signed by Tom Kunis. Uh, one of the best scouts around. Um, 
and a couple people in the Dodgers system said, ah, you don't have to rank him. Yeah. I listened to them, and I didn't rank him. And I really wish I had because mm -hmm. he took off this year. So the Tony Gonsolin story is fascinating. He was yeah, let's break it down. Santa Clara's right fielder who pitched a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, kind of did some swing man, a little bit of closing. And the Dodgers actually considered him a, a prospect. Most teams did a, as an outfielder. Um, There's a little bit too much swing and miss there. But he did well, played well in the West Coast Conference. And the Dodgers said, you know, He's touching the low 90s here on the mound. He's a good athlete. If he devotes himself full-time to pitching, mm -hmm. we think there's more velocity in there. And literally, draft him. Ninth round, senior sign, gave him, I think, $2,500. After he hit 305 in college. I mean, <laughs> 305, right. 383, 453 there over four years. Average, on-base power, but again, they said, we think there's more velo in there if he just focuses on pitching. Mm -hmm. They brought him into camp, and I mean, literally, it was like, well, you know, came in, he's 92. Well, two months later, he's starting to tickle 94. Hey, it's July, August, he's touching 96. And then, you know, by the end of the 2017 season, mm -hmm. you know, one year after he was drafted, he's touching 99 out of the bullpen. Yeah. And then, with a power curveball, so then this year, he goes to the Dodgers. He approached them and says... I want a chance to start. And they said to him, if you show us you can hold your stuff over four or five innings, mm -hmm. we'll give you that shot. Well, I went out and saw him, and I saw him holding 96 into the fifth. He still has that power curve, and oh, by the way, developed a nasty split change yeah. and ends up leading the entire Dodgers system in ERA this year. I mean, this guy just adapts so quickly. You know, it, people say, oh, he's 24. Well, yeah, but it's his second year pitching mm -hmm. full-time. When you take in the context... Exactly. He started 26 games this year, had a 2.6 ERA to go along with 10.9 Ks per nine and three walks per nine in his first year starting full-time. Uh, that's extremely impressive. And, and what do you kind of credit that the velocity gains while at the same time going to a role that's tougher to hold that? Is that literally just focusing on pitching 100%? Is that all it comes down to? And if you're shagging fly balls, taking BP, I mean, so much that that takes up a lot of time, mm -hmm. a lot of energy, you know, being a successful hitter, you know, and also learning to play professional level outfield. Mm -hmm. Well, you can just focus on pitching, focus on your craft, and he put in the work to do it. I mean, the velocity gains are possible. We saw that with him. At the trade deadline, obviously they traded another high performer in the Cal League from that same rotation, Dean mm -hmm. Kramer. Tony Gonsolin was getting asked about a lot, a lot. <laughs> I spoke to three different organizations who said they tried to get him, and a couple people in the Dodgers said they were getting calls all over the place for yeah. him. Um, he's fearless. He's competitive. He's got three pitches. The command can still be a little scattered, which, again, understandable, considering he's new to all this. So there is a sense that there may be more of a bullpen future, but the Dodgers think he's a starter. Most evaluators think he's a starter, and if something falls short, okay, he's our eighth inning guy pumping 99 mm -hmm. out of the pen. He's, he's got the makeup to close, too. So this is someone who both, you know, I always kind of hate the ceiling floor discussion because I think yeah. it artificially places limits on how high guys can go and, and oversells how low they can really go, yeah. but... Um, this is a big league arm, just straight up. I think it will be one that will help the Dodgers. I could see it as a number four or five starter. I can see it as an eighth and ninth inning guy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's really going to jump some of the other pitchers the Dodgers have, which is a credit to the pitching depth they've built yep. up. 
So, you know, if he's in the eighth inning, and Lord knows, we saw last postseason, the Dodgers need <laughs> as many arms in that bullpen as they can get. Mm -hmm. I think Tony Gonsolin will be a valuable contributor to the Dodgers possibly as soon as this year, uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, Tony would be a really fun one to end on, but since we didn't go too deep into the back end of the top 10, let me get one sleeper guy, not necessarily a sleeper if he's in the top 30, but who's a guy in that 11 to 30 range uh, that either excites you or you think has a chance to make a jump uh, during the next year? I know we talked about some of these guys who did make that jump. Obviously, Gonsolin is one guy. Gavin Lux is another guy who made a jump, but who's a guy who maybe sticks out to you that we could be talking about in the top 10 next year? We talk about these late-round college picks. Zach Williman, uh, 19th rounder, I believe, out of Kent State, was going to go higher and then had TJ the week before the draft. We've seen from other Tommy John recoveries the Dodgers have brought back, Cough, Walker, Bueller, Cough. Mm -hmm. The Dodgers, again, one of their strengths is they bring guys back really, really well. And a lot of these guys come back throwing harder. Zach Williman showed, you know, there's some power there in college, came back this year, Touching 99, sitting 94, 96, and flashing you two-plus breaking balls. Now, it was in a lot of, you know, one to two winning stints. It was against, you know, competition and, uh, you know, ACL and, and low minors. So there's a ways to go, and it was just a 19-inning flash. We have no idea how it'll hold up. Mm -hmm. But he got a lot of people talking. And, and you know, we talk about the success of some of their drafts and, and the depth here. It really helps them make up for, you know, Yadier Alvarez has really kind of, you know, flatlined. The control is just not good. It never was good. I, I came back from the Cal League and was trying to tell everyone, like, guys, this is not, <laughs> he, this is not really a big leaguer, and he's not getting any better. Mm -hmm. um, you know, didn't throw enough strikes. The makeup wasn't there. And, you know, Jaron Kendall was, was extremely disappointing uh, this year and, and the year before. So they have had some misses, but because they're having success in other places, mm -hmm it's not really killing them. And I think a guy like a Zach Williman is a good example of that where, okay, our, our first pick in 2017, the early reviews are not good, but we still might get an impact big leader out of this. It's just coming in a later round. Mm -hmm. And on the whole, that's all you can ask for out of your draft. You know, wherever they come, they come. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you breaking this down, Kyle. Lots of really good information there, lots of good detail. Hopefully the Dodgers fans who are listening got some enjoyment out of that. And even if you're not a Dodgers fan, it's always fun to learn about the top prospects in the game. So thanks for breaking that down. Is there anything you want to plug, anything you're working on that you're excited about that you want to let people know about? Obviously, we're going to continue rolling out these podcasts, whether you're hearing me ask Kyle a bunch of questions or whether that's Kyle asking questions to other people or who knows what the combination is going to be. But they'll be coming out. Your favorite team will have a podcast if you don't already have that. Uh, up and published. You can probably listen to it already. We've got a lot out. Uh, but what do you have coming up, Kyle, that you want to plug? Well, we've got the Top 100 coming out later this month yes. at Baseball America. We've got Best Tools. We've got Position Rankings. This is this is the fun month. And uh, for those of you listening to these podcasts, go ahead and let us know on iTunes or whatever uh, service you're listening to us through. Let us know how we're doing. Leave us a comment. Give us some ratings. This is all for you guys. Let us know yeah. what we're doing well. And if, if we're not on a platform that you listen to, that you exclusively used to listen to podcasts, uh, let us know whether that's me at Twitter. I know just the other day I was talking to a, a reader and a listener who listens to his podcast on Spotify, and we're in the process of getting the Baseball America podcast on Spotify. So if you listen to a, a different podcast feed, uh, hit us up if we're not on there, and we'll try to get on there as quickly as possible. Um, the podcasts are fun to do, and we want everyone to hear them uh, however they like to listen to podcasts. So. Uh, in addition to that, we have uh, college preview stuff that Teddy Kale is rolling out, so tons of stuff. 
uh, on the it's a, site. It's a fun time here at Baseball America. It is America. very fun. We can kind of feel the season approaching. Obviously, college comes first with some JUCOs getting started, and then in four years, uh, high school is going to get started, and then sooner or later, MLB opening day will be upon us. But thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, for Kyle, I'm Carlos Colazzo. We'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.